I've said this a hundred times. China is a huge country. This culture is a communal culture. I try to smile as much as possible to people around me. I remember talking with some other foreigners and they were like, oh, the Chinese, they always are criticizing me. And I was like, really? They're always helping me. Hi, I'm Jacqueline Carmen, and I'm a certified breastfeeding counselor. And I'm Ruth Green, an international birth doula. And this is the Having a Baby in China podcast. This podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and should not be taken as medical advice. The views expressed here are the personal opinions of individuals and do not necessarily reflect any official stance or recommendation by having a baby in China. Hey, Jacqueline. Hey, Ruth. So I hear you got to go on a trip. Yes, I did. And you like actually left China. I did. I left the country. <laughs> I looked at it. And they actually stamped my passport the last time I left the country. I was three years, two months, and six days. <laughs> it's just like, I still haven't left the country. And I know for people outside yeah. of China, like, you haven't been able to travel. And it's my husband's boss went to America and he had dinner with our mutual friends who used to live here, right? Mm -hmm. And to me, the fact that, like, somebody I know, <laughs> <laughs> was in person with somebody else I know was like <laughs> mind blowing. I mean, it's just so weird to think like this. There's just been this invisible wall around us for so long. And it, yeah, it's just, it's really cool. It's crazy exciting. So yeah. How was the outside world? Yeah, it was good. Actually, I was just telling someone it was, it was a little bit, you know, I think because China was so strict and then all of a sudden it was like nothing. Like, so then I actually, you know, went to Korea and they were actually more strict than they are here. And oh, interesting. in some areas, like I had to wear a mask on all public transportation, which, okay. you know, I, I'm used to. It's fine. But it's just I don't know. There was just this like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't yeah. Know how to explain it. I can't I can't explain. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's interesting because like we've just had rules that have sometimes even been a little bit ambiguous. And so you're like trying to figure out like, am I supposed to wear a mask or not supposed to wear a mask or whatever. And so to go somewhere else where there's less rules, but they're like strict about them. I could see how that would yeah. be a little bit interesting. Yeah. So anyways, well, a couple of weeks ago, we threw it to the world <laughs> for people to submit questions. So we have around, I think like 20 or 30 questions, which are obviously not going to get to tonight. There's <laughs> a lot of them, but I thought it would be good to maybe just do like a few questions every couple weeks or something like that. And then if people continue to send in questions, we can just add them to the list. Yeah. So we can just dive right in. So one of the first questions that we're going to talk about, do you think there is much difference in procedures between different areas in China? Yeah, so absolutely, like 100%. It's really interesting because I've lived in the same city for about 14 years, and it feels like I know what I know about my city, right? Yeah. And of course, somebody will say, oh, well, like this hospital did whatever. I'm like, oh, that's that's interesting. But I really feel like I kind of have an understanding of what different hospitals will allow and stuff. But then I hear people talking about, for instance, this is a good one. I honestly have not heard good stories about giving birth in the public hospitals in Qingdao. 
Mm -hmm. So, of course, somebody will have an exception, but most of the times, like if I talk to somebody and I find out that they gave birth in a public hospital, I'll say something like, oh, like that was really interesting. I'd love to hear that sometime. And they're like, oh, my goodness, there was just so, so much. And so, yeah, I mean, like I keep hoping that will change (laughs) and I see some improvements, but I can pretty much kind of tell you public versus private versus international. But then somebody will tell me from another city that they had this amazing like public hospital experience and it, you know, they had like the VIP ward and they were able to have their husband with them the whole time and they didn't have any issues and the doctors and nurses were trained so well. Oh, here's an example for you. I was talking to a friend whose relative had just given birth in another city and not a big city. And the person had had a cesarean and the doctors had like flat out refused to let her breastfeed the baby because she had antibiotics for the cesarean. So she was not allowed to breastfeed her baby for three days because that was how long the antibiotics were in her body. So when I hear this, I automatically think, okay, well, if they're doing this practice of mm-hmm. not allowing somebody to breastfeed because they had a cesarean, which is not evidence-based, then they're probably also going to do all these other things that are not evidence-based, right? But mm-hmm. then I hear that actually the hospital is very supportive of not having nipple confusion and spoon-feeding mm-hmm. the baby and helping the mom like learn how to pump and all these things in order to get her milk going. So it's like the two didn't add up in my mind. Like, How can you have this one procedure that feels completely mm-hmm. unevidence-based. And again, I'm hearing this like secondhand, so I don't know. I wasn't in the room. I don't know exactly what went on. But I just feel like no matter where you are in China, like China is a huge country. I've said this a hundred times. It's a huge country and everything varies from area to area, from city to city, even like within one province, this city versus that city is going to have different procedures and different hospitals that have people come in and train. And now they suddenly have, you know, this procedure that they didn't used to have. And while this other hospital hasn't had that training yet. So yeah, absolutely. Huge differences. Yeah. And uh, we talked about this in a previous episode, just like, I think it all really depends on a doctor too. Like you can go to the same hospital and then a couple of years later, they have a new doctor and now it's, you know, different, you know, so Yeah, absolutely. I want to just say, and not always progress. Like you might have a doctor who's really doing amazing work to bring evidence-based procedures into a hospital and then they leave and then all of that kind of disappears. Like all that work that they did yeah, (laughs) seems to kind of disappear. And that's a bit frustrating. So it's not even just like, oh, before they were this way, and but now there's so much improvement. It could go either direction. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Next question. Should other children witness the birth experience or only up to a certain point? So I have actually attended a birth with a child and also talked to people who have had their other children be in the birth. And I absolutely think that children can be in the birth and through the entire birth. But I also think that it's going to depend on a lot of factors and not necessarily known factors. So if somebody is going to have an older child at the birth, I think it's really, really important that there be an extra person in the room. So in the birth that I did, I was there as the doula, but then the child also knew me. And so like Mm -hmm. when he started to get a little bit stressed, I was 
cued into that right away and Mm -hmm. could comfort him and encourage him and, and tell him what an amazing job mom was doing and isn't she so strong, right? Whereas if I hadn't been in the room and dad is focused on mom and what she's going through, I think that it could be a really difficult and scary experience for the child. And then, you know, also just to be open about how that child reacts and it might be completely different than you expect. And so being like flexible with that and it might mean that the child needs to leave at some point and being okay with that, like having the safe space, having the ability for Mm -hmm. a person to take the child to another area and then, you know, be reunited like shortly after. So yeah, absolutely. I think that kids can be there and I think it can be a really incredible thing and sometimes even like a necessary thing. Like a lot of people I talk to just don't have someone to watch their other child, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, at the home, like somebody that their child is okay with being with for two or three days while they're in the hospital, they don't have anybody. And so having someone Mm -hmm. come in for a few hours for the birth to help with the child, but then the child can stay with the mom and the dad in the hospital could be really could be really incredible. So yeah, just it can be a really great experience, but you need to have open expectations and contingency plans. Yeah. And it's really going to depend on the child's age and personality and so many factors. What's going on with mom? Like if things start getting a little bit scary or something's not going to plan, like what is the plan for the child in those situations? And so talking through these different things, like if mom has to go to another room for an emergency or cesarean or whatever, like who's going to stay with the child and who's going to go with mom. And, you know, talking through all of those things beforehand is really important. Yeah. Um, Okay. How can we deal with the cultural difference, meaning between Chinese and Western, such as with water temperatures and overdressing and food, et cetera? So I think that it's really important to realize that this is like so many different areas of our lives, right? So, and then every family situation is going to be really different. So we actually had several of these questions uh, and you and I talked before we started recording today that we're going to have to do like a whole episode and maybe with like a licensed counselor that can give you guys like real advice. (laughs) Especially because you and I are both married to people of our own nationality, right? Like we are both Americans Mm -hmm. married to Americans, and that's going to be very different to people from different backgrounds and Mm -hmm. very different from a Western married to a local, especially if that local family has mother-in-laws and that come and live with them, you know, so there's just a lot of different variation. But on the other hand, I have lived here for 14 years, as I mentioned. And in those years, always like you go outside and like we we also had a podcast about this that we talked about, like just dealing with the IEs and nine eyes and coming up and asking, oh, or your baby's cold and how are you still breastfeeding? Yes. You can exclusively breastfeed? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So we do run into it, of course. I think that it's nice that it's not in my home. But even before, you know, we had a Chinese helper that came in and yeah, she loved to tell me all the different things I was doing wrong and how I should be doing them differently. <laughs> and I love yeah. her dearly and we're still friends, but it was definitely challenging as a first time mom. So anyways, all of this to say, there's a couple of different things. So one is that a smile and love can go a long way. So like, Mm -hmm. I remember talking with some other foreigners and they were like, oh, the Chinese, they always are peeping while, like, which means like 
criticizing me and they're always doing this and they're always doing that. And I was like, really? They're always helping me. Like they carry my stroller and they like open Mm -hmm. doors and they stop cars on the side of the road, complete strangers, like literally more Mm -hmm. than once have stopped their car and come out and given me an umbrella because I'm in the rain with my (laughs) child, like a complete stranger, no expectation to get this umbrella back, you know? So I think a lot of it comes down to like attitude on my part and being really like humble and being like, oh, how nice of them to give me an umbrella rather than taking it as criticism. Like, well, how could you be in the rain with your child? You know, Uh, and so I try to smile as much as possible to people around me, which maybe some people think is fake. I don't know. Like, but this is how I have found is really helpful for me. And then the second thing is to always assume the best. So I think that so much is lost, (laughs) lost in translation, as they say, Mm -hmm. like so much can be lost. Somebody literally could just be like having a bad day and looking in the distance, but to you, it looks like they're glaring at you, you know? And so like, I just continually try to remind myself, it really could have nothing to do with me. It could have to do with something else that's going on with them. And to always assume that even when it's like directly said to me. So even when somebody is saying, you know, you can't do that. It's harmful to remind myself that they are doing it out of love and care and consideration Mm -hmm. and to have a considerate attitude. It does not mean that I do what they say. (laughs) It does not mean that it doesn't get tiring or old, but it does mean that my attitude is different about it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I think remembering that we are living here as guests and then also like this culture is a communal culture and so it's totally appropriate for the older to be looking out and pouring down all of their wisdom whether we think it's true wisdom or not it's you know it's their way of showing us love and that's their job to look out for us and so like I know as an individualistic culture that I come from, Mm -hmm. like you would never tell anyone else like what to do, like you've got Mm -hmm. it, you know, like, but just trying to keep that in mind that it's really is meant out of the kindness and love of their heart and, and trying to just let things roll off and try to just remember that. Yeah, (laughs) it definitely does get tiring though. It does. And then. On the other hand of it, I want to say that it is also okay and appropriate to set boundaries. Mm. So Mm -hmm. I think that sometimes we can let things that are perhaps inappropriate or make us not feel safe occur in the name of culture, in the name of respecting culture. And that's also not Mm -hmm. okay. So I would say, first off, you know, somebody's coming up and saying like, oh, your baby doesn't have socks on. You should put socks on your child. You know, so first you think, is this a danger to my child. No, this is not a danger to my child. (laughs) Right. I'm going to smile and nod and, you know, like, oh yeah, okay. You know, I'll see if I can get some socks and not worry about it. And just remember that they are sharing out of care and concern and wanting to show interest in you. On the other hand, if somebody, I've heard people say that locals around them, this is not in every area. I've never had it happen, but have actually told them to not put their child in a car seat because it's not good for the baby's spine. Mm. (laughs) That's a safety issue, right? Like I'm not going, I'm not going to like get in somebody's face and fight with them about it, but I'm certainly going to put my Mm -hmm. child in a car seat, right? So Mm -hmm. I think that 
we have to first evaluate, is this something that like really at the end of the day does not matter? Or is it something that actually has a safety component? And I think that there's a lot of different areas that this could be, you know, like giving a baby water at birth, you know, is not okay. That's not safe for my child, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I would have to set a firm boundary about that. As far as like, should we try and educate them? Should we try and find evidence-based resources and like share it with them? Like that's going to completely depend on the relationship. Like obviously you're not going to have a pamphlet, although I've heard people joke about this, like just carry around pamphlets and hand them out every time somebody comes up and criticizes them. Like you could do that, but you know, most people aren't going to do that over like not putting enough clothes on or whatever. But Mm -hmm. if somebody was like in your home, then, you know, you're really going to need to have those deeper conversations and figure out boundaries and what's going to happen in your house. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I think we like actually took like a half an hour just to talk about those three questions, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we were going to try and do six, but... <laughs> and I've got a loud audience in my background, so... <laughs> <laughs> Some real partiers back there, huh? Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Yeah, well, thanks for taking time. I know it's been really busy with you traveling and lots of stuff with work, yeah. but to take time and, yeah, yeah. connect for the podcast. And- mm-hmm always good to connect. Yes, it is. Yep. All right. Well, thanks for discussing these things, sharing your thoughts, and I look forward to answering more questions. Yeah. Until next time, Jacqueline. Until next time. And if you have any other questions that you may have that you want to add, you can reach us at our Instagram page, having a baby in China. And then we also have a Facebook page and then also You can reach out if you go to our website, havingababyinchina.com. You can find our WeChat contacts and connect with us and ask questions and join our community. Yep, absolutely. Please do. We love hearing from you all and hearing what you want us to talk about. So thanks to everyone that did share questions. we said goodbye we did already say goodbye goodbye (laughs) goodbye goodbye